Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I am not lying when I say I'm doing fantastic because we're going to discuss something that has been in the cultural zeitgeist for years and it finally came up in a situation that felt appropriate and then we decided to expound upon it to expand the conversation to a full episode so that makes me feel pretty good and it's a fun topic how are you I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks for asking. I am excited as well. This is a refreshing departure from some of the heavier true crime content that we will put on this channel occasionally. And this one is is a mystery. It's definitely mysterious and it's culture related. So we, you know, we're we're checking like two out of three of the boxes here. Crime, culture, a mystery. So we're talking about The Simpsons today, and The Simpsons is a TV show that's been running since 1989. In popular culture, there are stories of how The Simpsons has predicted the future. Yes, and you just said it's been running since 1989. It was debuted on December 17th, 1989, and it's hit almost 730 episodes. And that has been how many seasons? 33 seasons. 33 seasons. We need to think about that for a second. 33 seasons. Season 34, I believe, is debuting on September 25th of this year. That's a lot of episodes. And each episode, Lance, is 21 to 24 minutes. It fits into that half-hour time frame on television where there's commercials that uh, bring it out to a half an hour. But it also started on the Tracy Ullman show back in 1987, um, which predated the actual TV show, The Simpsons, which is, I guess, technically a bit of a spinoff of the Tracy Ullman show into its own thing. And since then, it has become the longest running animated series in America. It's become the longest running sitcom in America and the longest running scripted primetime television series in America. Let's just talk about that for a second. How many shows have you watched that just kind of tap out at like six seasons, eight seasons? If they're lucky, they get that far. Now, The Simpsons have an advantage because they're animated. They have characters that don't age and... They have the liberties to have plot lines that don't really need to come together. Uh, But how many animated shows have lasted more than 10 seasons? Just a handful. Yeah, really not many. I don't know. How how long has Family Guy lasted? Family Guy has been around for probably 17 years. Yeah, 21 seasons of Family Guy. I'm sorry, 21 years of Family Guy? Well, I don't know about years, but seasons at least. Um, Because I think they were actually off the air for a period of time. But to your point animation a lot easier to achieve some longevity with and uh, specifically on Fox too both those shows have run on Fox for all those seasons and I remember being a young lad a young buck back in the day when the Simpsons came out and we're talking the late 80s 1989 to the early 90s and we didn't have cable television we didn't have streaming service didn't even know what that was didn't have cable television, so we did not have the Fox network that aired The Simpsons. So me and my sister would go up to our neighbor's house, and we would watch The Simpsons with them every Sunday night. 
<laughs> I do remember those days when it first started. It was a very big deal. And yeah, I was about seven or eight or something like that as well. And I also remember the Bart Simpson t-shirts getting banned from my uh, elementary school. I remember uh, wearing one that I owned. I think I owned two Bart Simpson t-shirts and I had to turn one inside out when I wore it to school uh, because it had apparently been banned and I couldn't wear it again. See, we haven't even touched upon that sort of like cultural impact that the Simpsons had. Like they were threatened. The establishment was threatened by a yellow cartoon character with spiky hair that said, don't have a cow. Yeah, I think the shirt I said I had said, I'm Bart Simpson and who the hell are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yes, I mean, honestly, it's very innocent when you look back at it through the lens of 2022. Right? <laughs> and uh, so this idea came to us, I feel like, in, in two different ways. We've been covering weird stories lately, and we've done several episodes about that where we'll touch on three to five stories from the news, current stories that are a bit out there, you know, sort of culturally bizarre to make the news. And we also interviewed Gary Lockman, who wrote a book called Dreaming Ahead of Time. And you asked him, Lance, what he thought of The Simpsons making these predictions. What's your thoughts on The Simpsons and them predicting the future? Is it just that they're so woven into the fabric of our culture that it's impossible for them to not have some of these moments? But it's remarkable. Do you have any thoughts on this? Well, maybe they didn't predict. Maybe they made it happen. Synchromysticism. Who knows? Maybe it all goes down to The Simpsons. There's Homer, you know, it's like there's Homer and Jethro, but it's Homer the beginning of Western, you know, literature and all that. So I, I often wonder if that <laughs> is that what's about there? There's some situation in The Simpsons that can account for all situations out in life, something along those lines. You can find some comment on every aspect of life in The Simpsons. And he nailed the answer. And I asked him as the very last question of that interview, because it didn't occur to me until the end that this idea that had been percolating in my brain, there was only a handful of people that could answer it in the way that it deserved to be answered. And Gary Lockman is like the number one or number two person that I would want to answer that question. He's got his finger on the pulse of this mysticism, esoteric, cultural fabric or or what 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 am i looking ideas, for ideas really energy I mean, yeah yeah he's he, he very much loves the stuff that you can't actually grab right and he, he said he kind of lit up and he said well did they predict these things or did they influence them to happen boom what a great concept what a great answer and an episode was born <laughs> exactly he also equated loosely Homer Simpson to Homer, arguably the original storyteller who wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey. And he thought that there might have been some connection there, some loose uh, affiliation that everything is derived from the Simpsons. Almost like an unintentional self-fulfilling prophecy where they name him Homer and then they see that it's starting to happen and it just becomes ironic that He's named Homer. They make him into sort of, well, The Simpsons is like a play on Simpleton, that it's like mm -hmm. a simple name, a simple everyday family. And the irony that the 
patriarch of the family would be named Homer after the great Homer who wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey was sort of the joke. Right. As things started to play out with these prophetic moments in their episodes, maybe they are looking back on it and saying, well, that was absolutely perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there could be no better name for him. And uh, and he is kind of a dummy in the show, but, you know, sort of things end up working out uh, for him in a lot of ways. So we wanted to take a look at the times where the Simpsons made some random predictions that eventually came true or at least ended up on articles that claimed uh, the Simpsons were making predictions. There have been several articles that have these lists that are broken down to the episodes. The one that we've been working off of the most kind of compiles them all together. It's joejoe.co.uk. Tim, you took it one step further and you put together a document where you rated them one to 10 based on the level of how prophetic you considered them to be, the predictions to be. Yeah, I kind of came up with the scale. Uh, I didn't name the scale, but uh, but I thought it was fun to try to rank these moments or I guess uh, like prophetic jokes or whatever you want to call them uh, from The Simpsons that eventually kind of came true or came close to coming true in some way. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And there's one that came up on a few lists. It's about Lady Gaga performing at the Super Bowl. And it was from an episode in 2012 called Lisa Goes Gaga, season 23, episode 22. And Lady Gaga visited Springfield and performed her songs while flying over the audience and uh, performing at uh, at this halftime show. And then in 2017, Lady Gaga actually performed at the real Super Bowl halftime show and was lifted into the air above the audience at one point. And you ranked this a 1 out of 10. So I'm assuming that a 1 is the lower score, the 10 being the higher score. And I can see why you did that. Break that down for me. Yeah, I mean, I just thought if you're the writers from the Simpsons and you're coming up with a Super Bowl performer, Lady Gaga is one of the most famous people in music at that point that they wrote that episode. And, you know, of course, she'd be asked to perform at the Super Bowl at some point, as most of these, you know, A-list musicians eventually are. And of course, she's going to be lifted above the audience. I don't think that's anything special. I feel like that would happen at most shows. I mean, 50 Cent was hanging upside down at the last Super Bowl halftime show. You know, like it's it's pretty random, but there's always some acrobatics at stake here when the Super Bowl halftime show happens because it's such a grand scale. Right. And I think that the uh, scale of the Super Bowl halftime show was taken to another level after 2001. And then uh, moving forward, it seemed like every halftime performance, well, I guess you could say like starting with Michael Jackson's performance, but then it just was like this thing has to go to another level. So by 2012, when this episode aired, who is the biggest star at the time? You're right, Lady Gaga. And then they don't have to be very specific with what she did. So flying over the stadium feels like realistic and probably something that other performers had done in the past. So I'm with you on the one out of 10. She was the biggest star at the time. Super Bowl halftime show is the biggest event entertainment wise at the time, even now. So 
not so much like they predicted the future. Now, if you were to take it back to their early episodes in the early 90s, and let's say they predicted, you know, Prince's performance or something like that in the rain, like he he performed in the rain that year, I would say that that would be more like a six or seven for me. But they didn't do that. I don't know. I'm going to be very tough on these grades. So I, I would have given oh, yeah. that maybe like a three, though, just because he had a song called, called Purple Rain. Of course, they're going to depict him playing in the rain. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Okay. And now there's one about Siegfried and Roy. And uh, our some of our younger listeners may not remember this duo who worked with Tigers. They were famously... Las Vegas performers who worked with tigers. Unfortunately, one of them was attacked. Roy was actually attacked and nearly mauled to death by a tiger, a seven-year-old white tiger. In The Simpsons, they depict this very moment, basically, before it happened. And it's a tragic, awful story about Roy being attacked by the tiger. Both Siegfried and Roy have since passed. Uh, You ranked this as a... Four out of ten. I'm giving it a four. I I might give it a three because I think every time I watched any act by Siegfried and Roy, not live, of course, it was always something televised or like a promo. It occurred to me every single time that that tiger is going to attack them. I mean, I, I was surprised when the tiger didn't attack them. It's a tiger. In the Simpsons episode, the tiger attacked both of them. So that's one thing that's a little off about this prediction. And yeah, I also don't think it's a great prediction, hence the the grade of a four, because it's kind of an obvious one. Like it didn't, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't didn't take a, a psychic, you know, to uh, it didn't take a crystal ball to predict this one, that uh, two performers performing with a wild animal were eventually going to get attacked. People had been saying this for years about Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, before he was attacked by a stingray. So I just think this was eventual. Yeah. You ranked the Higgs boson particle prediction lower than the Siegfried and Roy attack, and I'm really surprised at that. Yeah, okay, this is a good one to get into. So I I went down the rabbit hole a little bit on this one more than any other in particular, I guess, prediction or whatever you want to call it, from The Simpsons. So in The Simpsons, they... They did predict this Higgs boson particle uh, equation in season eight, episode one. Homer is a 1998 episode Um, and Homer predicted it on a chalkboard. But it wasn't until 2013 that scientists actually discovered proof of the Higgs boson in uh, in a very expensive experiment. Now, the thing about this that is crazy, because no one had predicted this this equation publicly, really. Um, maybe people in math cir- circles, science or mathematics circles, I guess, must have, because the Daily Mail reported that Simpsons writer David X. Cohen contacted an old high school friend named David Sheminovich, who happened to be an astronomer at Columbia University, who gave the Simpsons writer, this prediction for this episode. So it didn't really come from the writer's room at all. It came from an astronomer from Columbia University. And and now now that's that that's an incredible prediction though, because he kind of got it right. So the episode aired in nineteen ninety eight, and if the research that I did briefly, let that be known, briefly, 
the first faint signals of the particles that this Higgs boson is connected to was recorded in data in 2012. So even the person that consulted for this, I guess, storyline still had something going on research-wise that put them in the know about something that was going to happen over a decade later. Yeah, it's a little bit mind-bending to me because the Higgs boson particle is also known as the God particle, and they didn't even know it existed at all until 2012 so, or 2013. Right. So um, it, it was predicted in 1964 by Professor Peter Higgs and a few other physicists, but it wasn't actually proven. So, I mean, I wonder how many other astronomers, mathematicians actually had equations that they worked on that could have been right or maybe even closer than um, what this what this fellow, David X. Cohen, uh, what his old friend David Sheminovich uh, found out or predicted. Now, how cool is that? Now we're uncovering that these predictions aren't just this happenstance moment or them just having their ear to the grindstone or having their ear to the road on what's coming down the path in every element of life. They have the the door is open for people to come in and use the Simpsons as a delivery mechanism <laughs> to give people information in the form of a animated television sitcom. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, so it it goes to show that apparently the writers' room was aware of the potential effect that the show could have in pop culture, and they wanted to add some Easter eggs. I guess you know. I mean, this is kind of nothing more than an Easter egg, not a prediction at all. Yeah. And now The Simpsons also sort of predicted Donald Trump's presidency. And uh, I don't want to get too political about this, but I did think that was a pretty weird one. It was an episode from 2000 called Bart to the Future. Okay, so in the year 2000, Donald Trump was in the, I hate saying the word again, but it's the only word I can think of, this cultural zeitgeist. He was a staple. He had made his... Mark on real estate. Everyone knew Donald Trump. I, I can see them looking at a high profile figure like him always in there. He was a media, still is a media whore. This one kind of feels obvious to me. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And he was even teasing, you know, a run years before he actually did. I remember watching the roast of Donald Trump from Comedy Central, and that aired, I think, in 2011. And there's several jokes about him running for president there. So this was a thing that was known culturally long before he actually attempted a run. So I'd have to say this one's pretty low. And one funny thing from that episode was that Lisa Simpson yeah. is actually president in the um, episode, which is like a pretty much a dream for, for Bart. Lisa says, As you know, we've inherited quite a budget crunch from President Trump. You say that probably for every president, you know, but uh, it's just pretty funny. Every president comes in and says, I've inherited a mess, uh, but it is like weirdly specific. So that was a pretty good one. I gave that a five out of 10 just because it uh, was a, a little bit more than random on that, I thought. Yeah, I could see that. I, I four, four or five out of 10. Yeah, four is probably better. I think the Simpsons are just so in tune with what is coming up next just based on the creators and the longevity that they've had. Like, for example, on your list here 
is the merging or the purchasing of Fox by Disney. Like the, the the Fox Disney merger, you gave that a one out of ten. I would totally agree with that because you have the Simpsons being on Fox and Disney owns everything anyway. So what's the what's the prediction there? That's more sort of just like a business forecast. Yeah, it's it's really just a joke. It's like a writer's joke. Oh, b- two big huge companies are going to merge at some point in the future. Like put put that on a headline every single day, and you know what I mean. Like it's not a prediction. So what one out of ten for that one. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Here's a good one from season 21, episode 12. It was from a 2010 episode of The Simpsons called Boy Meets Curl. And in the episode, Marge and Homer compete in curling at the Vancouver Olympics, and they beat Sweden for the gold medal. What's weird about this is... It did happen that only eight years later, the U.S. did actually win the gold medal medal over Sweden in the Winter Olympics for curling, which pretty random because I don't believe USA has ever won a gold medal for curling before that. And I don't really remember when I started to be aware of curling, but this episode aired in 2010 and... It might have been right around that time when curling was like, oh, that's a remember first hearing about that. Oh, that's a weird sport to be in the Olympics. And does this even take any effort? And then when you break down like the actual sport of curling, it does take quite a bit of uh, skill and I guess concentration. But the specificity of Sweden, I guess, isn't that strange to me either, because, I mean, they were known for that. Yeah, it's a good story. You know, it ended up being a good story. So that one kind of stuck out as a uh, a pretty good prediction based on the uh, beating Sweden, I think. Really, it comes down to that. Mm-hmm. And then in 1995, The Simpsons produced an episode called Lisa's Wedding, which sort of depicted FaceTime. It, uh, it actually it predicted Lisa's wedding that was supposed to happen in 2010, And again, this episode was from 1995, so a full 15 years into the future, the Simpsons writers were forecasting here, and there was a scene where Marge pops up on a smartphone-like device, and she's in full video, and it wasn't until 2010 that Apple announced that it developed FaceTime. This also happened in 1995. This episode happened long before Skype had been invented. However... I don't feel like these kind of predictions by The Simpsons are very good at all because you're essentially just like creating like a device in a science fiction movie or something like that. And that stuff comes true all the time. Like Star Trek, you know, we could do another episode on this, on the on the technology that Star Trek predicted. And of course, these things are going to get invented at some point. Absolutely. I I do appreciate the fact that they incorporated these things into The Simpsons, especially the technology, the the smartwatch and the FaceTime, the video calls. But we know that the people who created this and the writers, they're very educated and they know that 1984, the book existed that was published in 1949. And there were very similar and Brave New World, like there was very similar uses or very similar technological developments that were put into place in these pieces of literature that 
I would imagine the creators and the writers of The Simpsons would know about. So it's just kind of taking that device and incorporating it into the plot of The Simpsons. They had the benefit of being very popular, and they're still very popular, but they had the benefit of existing in a time when they were right before this iPhone, smartphone in you know uh personal like laptop uh tablets like they were right right at that starting point so when you look back in history it does look like they were they were if not influencing it but predicting it but it just takes a little bit of a further look back to say well they were influenced by something too Right. And I just think there's a lot of writers on the show. So uh, per Google, as of May in 2022, 151 people have been credited with writing or co-writing at least one episode. And they have about 16 writers um, regularly. So, you know, as we already discussed, one of them had a a very good friend who was uh, an astronomer at Columbia. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of these writers are very smart people. They know very other very smart people. And if they've got, like, a question like, okay, well, we're doing an episode 15 years into the future. What should we do about that? What technology should we show? There's 15 really smart people who are bouncing ideas off of each other in that room. Like, of course, they're going to come up with some stuff. Or they're going to ask their friends who might are, be inventing some of those things. Absolutely. Because they want to make sure that they stay current. Maybe that is the downside of creating and developing and successfully producing an animated show. Is that they have to use other devices like staying current with technological developments, cultural developments to keep people watching. Yeah, interesting point there. And uh, I, I really like this one, Lance. It's about the invention of the tomaco plant. <laughs> and it's from season 11, episode 5, in 1999. Homer uses nuclear energy to create a hybrid tomato and tobacco plant called the tomaco, a tomaco. And uh, so it actually inspired a fellow named Rob Bauer in 2003 to create his own plant uh, that was grafted together from a tomato stem and a tobacco root. And so he actually apparently made contact with the writers for The Simpsons who invited him to their offices uh, to try the tomaco, tomaco fruit for themselves. Um, But this one, this one worked in the other way. You know, this one, this one worked in the opposite way. Like uh, this guy saw the episode and then created it. See, that's a really great example of how they're influencing people. Like Gary Lockman said, maybe this is more along the lines of them influencing as opposed to predicting and it's happened more often times than we're aware of i think that's more common than we know for sure and here was one from 1994 season six episode eight now this is kind of on the technology topic i guess um, but they've they've predicted smart watches and things like that um, but again I, i'm not very impressed with that because i think that was going to come at some point, no matter what. However, back in 1994, they seem to have predicted autocorrect, which is a little bit more random uh, to me. Um, now, so on like an iPhone-ish device in this episode, 
someone writes with like a stylus pen on this device, beat up Martin, but then it auto corrects to uh, eat up Martha. So, so uh, just kind of an, I mean, it's, it's just a straight up autocorrect joke uh, at this point, you know, ducking, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. I mean, autocorrect is still a problem today and uh, you know, but it also is, is a great tool too. Absolutely. And I think that you were right in ranking this one among the higher ones, seven out of 10, because there is like very little frame of reference. There is very little to look back at. During that time, uh, there is like Microsoft Word might have had the identifier if you spelled something wrong, but the option to autocorrect wasn't there. So there had to have been some forethought there from the writers to say that something was that a computer was automatically changing something to what they thought was was correct as opposed to what you were writing. Right. So, yeah, that that's high. That's high on my list, too. Now, here's one that ranks very high as well. It's from season two, episode 18, and it's about the Beatles, the famous rock band, the Beatles. And so in this 1991 episode, Ringo Starr was answering fan mail that had been written to him decades ago. Okay, so the joke kind of being that the Beatles got so much fan mail that it's taken decades to reply to all of it. But... In September of 2013, two Beatles fans from Essex in the UK received a reply from Paul McCartney, one of the Beatles, to a letter and a recording that they sent to the band 50 years before. And the recording and the letter was sent to a London theater that the band was due to play at, but it was apparently found years later in a car, in a car trunk. it was a, a ba- basically sold, um, and the letter was found by a historian who apparently got that letter to the Beatles or to McCartney, who uh, actually wrote the reply in 2013 to these fans from 50 years earlier. Now, I think that that is a very good example. I wouldn't have put it that high, an 8 out of 10. I might have given that a 6, just because the Beatles are obviously the most iconic rock band in history. They have been around forever. At the time, all of them except John Lennon were alive when that episode aired, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So they were still relevant. They're still relevant today. I can see that topic, that storyline maturing in the writing in the writer's room. I could see I could see that becoming it, but maybe more of a coincidence. Yeah, I could see that too. And and maybe some of these are coincidences. I mean, I don't there's no there's no psychics on staff uh at the Simpsons that we that we know of. Yeah, I mean, the joke was was kind of obvious back in 1991. The Beatles are still answering fan mail, right? But the the way the weird part is that there was a fan <laughs> or a couple of fans who got a letter from from a Beatle, Paul McCartney, after sending their letter 50 years before. So I just, I feel like that one actually, I mean, it actually nailed it like nail on the head, nailed it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's fun to consider that 50 years, like half a century. And then you, (laughs) your response comes and I mean, they didn't have to pick the Beatles, right? Like they could have picked the Rolling Stones. They could have picked 
uh, Pink Floyd. They could have picked any band that had some longevity to them. Pretty remarkable. Pretty good one there. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And I really like the one about the London Shard, Lance, which yes. uh, is a building that that I've never seen with my own two eyes, but it exists in London now. It started to be built in 2009. But there was an episode, it was actually that Lisa's wedding episode from 1995, season six, episode 19. And they show a shot of Big Ben during Lisa's trip to London, the big tower bridge, actually. And there is a building in the London skyline that is pretty much unmistakable. As the article from The Insider notes, it it does look eerily similar to the Shard. And it's even in pretty much the exact location. This one, there's no question in my mind. I mean, this is not, it feels like it's not accidental. It feels like they had the blueprints for this building when they made this episode and they animated it in because it's like nearly identical. This one is like a nine out of 10 for me. It's literally located in the exact spot that you would see it in pictures right next (laughs) to London Bridge. It's the same triangular shape. It even has like the top part that's got like the, I don't know what it is in the actual building, but at the top there are like these two like Batman ears that come up. It's even got that in this image from The Simpsons. It's weirdly specific. It really is. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I can't explain this one. This one. Yeah. I mean, look at the picture, like the stills from The Simpsons and then look at pictures of the Shard and its proximity to London Bridge is exact yeah it it is it is a little, a little bit eerie a little bit uh goosebump inducing yeah i agree with that that's so that is a weird one definitely ranked as the highest uh prediction or coincidence or whatever you want to call it on uh, on my list yeah yeah i i wouldn't uh disagree with this at all can't explain it well additionally with this there's even like the buildings that are next to it are the same as the buildings that are next to the shard <laughs> That was a wild one, yeah. I will say as far as like the technological ones, you have Matt Grenning who created The Simpsons and he also created the show Futurama. So he's got something tapped into like that science background. He, like you had mentioned, there's a ton of mathematicians that worked on the show. So he's got an in, you know, he's he's in that he's in that world. So he's he's definitely utilizing his experience, his network and his knowledge in that particular field. Yeah, but for again, sure. doesn't explain the shard. No, it doesn't explain all these for sure. I mean, some of them I think you can you can definitely explain away. And here's one that is pretty hard to explain away, I'd say. And it's from a 1993 episode from season four, episode 21. And there was a pandemic that was uh, that was in in the episode, and it was called the Osaka flu. And it had originated from a different country before it made its way to the U.S. And in the episode, they didn't have a treatment available immediately. And so the doctors were asking people to get some bed rest as a way to treat this. Um, And then that one combined with the murder hornets, um, which was something that, that really happened. But in this same episode... There was a killer bees uh, box 
that that had arrived and it was pointed out by the crowd of people who were upset about this pandemic uh, they they pointed out this this box this this truck apparently that was holding killer bees and the crowd knocked the truck over and it released a swarm of killer bees. Uh, so while it's not it didn't predict COVID nineteen or murder hornets, it really ran right up against sort of both of those things. Um, you know, like twenty years before it happened. It is kind of remarkable that. We bring up murder hornets and COVID, and this is all in the year that so much crazy shit happened in 2020. So I feel like 2020, 2019, 2020, 2021, like the anything you could really just lay out all of the things that happened in those years, maybe even extend it out a couple years on either side. And The Simpsons, it, it's like a buffet for The Simpsons at that point. Like, because in 2020, the concept of the Simpsons predicting the future was already out there. Now you can start looking for things, especially in a couple of year period where so much crazy shit happened. Right. But I get it. Like, you know, an outbreak, murder hornets, killer bees, all of that happened within this one year period. And looking back at the Simpsons, like they nailed it. And, uh, but I think this is my favorite Lance from 1999. It's from an episode called they saved Lisa's brain. Season 10, episode 22. Homer has a conversation in the bar with physicist, astrophysicist Stephen Hawking, who mentions that Homer has a theory of a donut-shaped universe. Your theory of a donut-shaped universe is intriguing, Homer. I may have to steal it. Wow, I can't believe someone I never heard of is hanging out with a guy like me. Which actually went on to become a real theory which uh, I had to peek down the the rabbit hole a little bit at this one and there's several articles about this you can find an article saying that uh, it probably isn't shaped like a donut or it probably is shaped like a donut um, but essentially the idea is that our cosmos may be connected and that space is closed in on itself but in a three-dimensional way um, and I, this is kind of a hard one to for me to grasp and to to explain without just reading um, things that make sense to me. So basically saying that the universe isn't just flat. It's actually more of a three-dimensional thing. And it actually apparently resembles the shape of a donut to some astrophysicists. Well, I know that there's plenty of astrophysicists and people of science who watch The Simpsons, so this could be a really good example of them being influenced by this moment. Homer classically loves donuts. So having him talk with Stephen Hawkins about something like this and having the subject of donuts come up is funny. So I... I could. Yeah. I mean, do you just imagine someone of science, uh, of an astrophysicist, watching this and thinking to themselves, "Well, maybe this isn't such a bad theory to put into motion, uh, even on an experimental level." And then it gains momentum because it does have some merit. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, um, does does have some merit. Um, I wonder if this is one of those again where the very wise Simpsons writers um, relied on some actual physicist or or someone and and they asked <laughs> but the the part about it to me that is funny or maybe too random to believe that Homer 
and donuts, that's they're synonymous together. For that to have been a joke that actually resembled what scientists were studying is the random thing for me. So, but but I wonder if they reached out to a, a physicist friend of theirs or something like that, or you know, some kind of researcher, and asked them if there's any merit to the universe, uh, you know, being in the shape of a donut. And they said, well, actually, maybe. You know, I don't know. I just don't know where that line ends, where the Simpsons writers are going to ask people that they know or uh, just consultants. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's a great point. At some point you need to. Well, I guess when you've been going on for so many years. You've really established a lot of avenues and resources for storylines. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you have a lot of friends and and people who are willing to help, but also just sheer volume, 728 episodes that have been produced by The Simpsons over 33 seasons, you know, and a lot of the, I guess, segments or jokes in The Simpsons are very quick, you know, and they're told over the course of like a minute where they take this minute little, I guess, rabbit hole to tell this joke, and then they'll come back to the overall story, So there's more than just 728 random storylines in those episodes. You know what I mean? There's more like several thousand um, or even more. So I guess when you look at it like it's a numbers game like that, they were bound to hit on some of these things at some point. And I really believe that they have embraced their reputation of predicting the future at this point because now there is evidence of them actually trolling people with the uh like the Super Bowl scores. They worked in the the Patriots Super Bowl score into a rerun episode putting by replacing the score of the teams that were playing with the New England score. So they went back and changed it based on what happened in real life. As we were looking into this episode, there's an article that reveals that they trolled the Falcons fans. There was an episode that aired where the sports teams played, and I think the episode was called Boston. It was uh, season 28. The Boston Americans beat the Springfield Adams, and the Boston Americans looked very similar to uh, the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And they replaced the score in the background with the famous Patriots score, the 34 to 28 score. So they're, they're, they're using the predictions now. So you see that thumbnail out there. And if people aren't aware that that's a troll job, then there's like a spot on prediction of the score. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they, they started doing that um, when uh, they had predicted wa- that Washington would win the Super Bowl in one season, which, which did happen in the early nineties. And then apparently they went back when they re-air that episode and put different Super Bowl winners. So, yeah, definitely yeah. fooling around with us a little bit here, The uh, fooling around with us, the viewers. But, hey, this has been a fun conversation. I'm glad that we've gotten out of our system a little bit because it felt like it was necessary to elaborate and, and unpack it a bit more after speaking with Gary Lockman. It's a fun hybrid between what the Simpsons have become since they started on the Tracy Ullman show, how they've become so like woven into our cultural fabric and they're aware of that. And it's not like they're doing any harm by maybe trolling some of these predictions in a sense, perpetuating them 
for the for the fun of the whole thing. But on the other hand, it's also kind of comforting to know that the Simpsons have always been there and they'll probably always be there. Even if the show stops, there'll still be reruns, syndication. So it's just an innocent thought experiment to have. It is. And guess what? They're going to make some more predictions based on the episodes they've already produced. And that's a promise. Things that haven't happened yet in this world here in 2022 will be will have been depicted on the show from episodes that were produced pre 2022. You can uh, you can bank on it. Imagine if they had an episode where it was two podcasters talking about a long running animated TV show. I wouldn't be surprised. Nope. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been a lot of fun. And if we forgot anything, please let us know in the comments. And uh, we really appreciate you listening. See you in Springfield. 